You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th. And it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. Oh yes, wow! I'm in this room. There's some natural reverb in here. I didn't mean it was. I didn't think it was going to be that poetic. It's a little beautiful. I don't know if you guys can hear that. Welcome to the X Man Podcast. I'm your host, Doc Coyle. Hopefully, I don't sound too too gravelly, too uh, too too gruff to uh, do my my talking bits here. I just entered Ontario, Canada. Um, Battles just got finished up with a the second leg of the Breaking Benjamin Five Finger Death Punch tour, and uh, it was awesome. You know, it was a arena rock lifestyle. You know, I'm gonna pat myself on the back. You know, for hold on, you know, taking pride in other people's accomplishments. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. It was it was, that tour was really amazing. I want to thank everyone in both those camps. Um, you know, that kind of opportunity is is. You know, just not that many bands get that that type of opportunity, or that many musicians get the opportunity to play in front of that many people consistently, and it's a massive help uh, for what we're trying to do as a band. So, thank you to all those guys, um, and also thank you to From Ashes to New, which you'll hear later. My guest is the drummer from From Ashes to New. Uh, but I want to thank you, thanks to the, all their crew and all the guys in that band. That was amazing. But right now, like I said, we're in the freezing, freeze cold in Canada. We're about to start this uh, three-week run with Three Days Grace and Nothing More, two bands we've toured with previously. Um, but yeah, so you know, just trying to hunker down. The uh, hibernation, wanting to eat everything. You know, speaking of that, I hope everyone had, had a good Thanksgiving. I ate hard. I feel like since Thanksgiving, I've just been eating all the things and sleeping all the things. And I couldn't sleep last night. My whole thing is turned around. So I'm a bit of a mess, but uh, but but surviving and uh, looking forward to to wrapping this up because this is the last tour of the year, and you know you want to go out on a high note. And Canada is amazing. I've never done this many shows in Canada consecutively. I'll be going to some places uh, I've never been. Unfortunately, we will not be going to Quebec on this leg, but uh, we're pretty much going everywhere else. At least all the the major areas from east to west so anyway um i have some important news a little a little tidbit and it's actually uh apropos considering it is the holiday season i have 
started a web store on my website. All right. So if you head over to www.coil.net backslash shop, there are a few items up. Um, first, I've, you've probably already heard because I don't. I basically have these ads that drop in from on the beginning of the show that I don't do. They kind of drop in after the fact that kind of mention this, but I, I haven't really explained it. So there are two t-shirts, one most relevant to you. There's finally an X-Man podcast t-shirt. Uh, it was designed by my good friend, Joey James Hernandez from New York. And I think it's pretty sick. And, you know, uh, people have been asking about merch for the show forever. And I was trying to put something together that's really cool and it's drawn and the theme, it's, you know, the show's the X-Man and I kind of make myself look like a superhero, you know, not that I am really a superhero, but um, I think the shirt is really cool. And, you know, if you guys want to represent the show and if you have, you know, family members or girlfriends or boyfriends that like the show, you know, pick yourself up a um, an X-Man t-shirt. And that is actually through our sponsor, rockabilly.com. It's, you can, it's ex- exclusive. You can only get there. But through my website, you can just click on it and it'll take you right over to rockabilly.com. And you can, or you can just go there straight and look up dot coil and you'll find it and there's also a second shirt um an actual just a regular old dot coil shirt um uh, and uh it was actually designed by my buddy ray fonseca uh from agents of man and he actually he's also designed a lot of the artwork for for the show as is and there's a phrase on the bottom of the shirt uh committed to forever being in some band and what that comes comes from actually is a lamb goat comment when I launched when we launched Bad Wolves. Some guy on lamb lamb goat is a is a hardcore metalcore whatever uh, website that I've been going to forever, and they're notorious for having hilarious shit posting commenters. And when Bad Wolves released their first song, this one comment said, I "Give it to that dot coil." He sure is committed to forever being in some band. And I thought that diss was so hilarious. I turned it into a meme and the meme got really popular. And I was like, you know, I'm making that into a t-shirt. So that is all also available there. Um, but one thing I, I, I will say right now, there's a, the price on each of the t-shirts is actually not the real price there. The price is being reduced. I think there's something like 25 bucks, or something like that right now. I think they're saying at like 36, um, so hopefully that'll be fixed within the next day or two and they'll have the right price appropriately. Or if they overcharge you, you'll get re- reimbursed. But, you know, buy yourself an X-Man or Doc Coyle t-shirt for the holidays, you know, for, for a loved one, you know, who doesn't want to have my ugly mug on, a, on, a, on their chest or their breasts, you know. I think it's a good idea, but that's just me. And also over there, uh, people always ask me about guitar picks. Hey, Doc, can you send me a pick? Can you do this? So what I decided to do was make a pick pack, and it has five different guitar picks. It has two Bad Wolves picks, a Vegas Nerve pick, my RoboDoc pick, and then also the Darkest Hour, which is a special pick I got made when I filled in for Darkest Hour. So you get five guitar picks, and then I also have a signed uh, 8x10 uh, photograph that was done through ESP Guitars on cardstock. And I essentially did that because the same thing. People said, hey, Doc, can you send me an autograph? You can do this. And 
I don't really mind doing that stuff, but it definitely becomes a labor. And, you know, I figured, let me put it into place. People seem to want this. And if they really do want these things, I'll put it in, in a way where it works out for both of us. So hopefully no one is too upset at capitalist.coil, you know, but that's how it goes down sometimes. But I think, I think it's cool. It's kind of, you know, put myself out there a little bit and uh, have some items that if you guys want some things, it is available to you. So check that out at www.coil.net backslash shop and you get all that good stuff. Um, okay, with that out the way, we have a show sponsor this week, which I am very excited about. It is a band called Beneath the Hollow and they are a four-piece independent metal outfit from Chicago, Illinois, and they just released an EP entitled Nihilist, produced by Todd Smith, who has worked with bands like Dog Fashion Disco and Polka Dot Cadaver. And I'm gonna play a song for you right now entitled Doom. Check it out.
So that track was called Doom, and it's from a band called Beneath the Hollow from their new EP, Nihilist. And if you want to check them out, please go to their website, www.bth1.net, and check out their Facebook, facebook.com backslash Beneath the Hollow, Instagram at Beneath the Hollow. And they also have some shows coming up uh, December 22nd. They'll be at the Looney Bin in Bradley, Illinois. And on January 27th, they'll be at the Blue Moose in Iowa City, Iowa. Please check them out. Please support all the bands that support this show. It means the world. And I want to thank those guys so much for supporting the show. That was a really cool track. So if you'd like to sponsor the podcast as well with your band, please drop me a line at any of my social media outlets. Pretty much all my handles are at .coil. Or you can leave an email or drop me an email at thexmanpodcast at gmail.com. Remember, that's E-X. So, business out of the way. We give a little quick intro to our guest, uh, Mr. Matt Madero. He is the drummer for a band called From Ashes to New. We just did two tours with them going back from the spring and now with this uh, just most recent winter tour. And I've known him for a while, since 2012. And he has a very interesting story. He used to play in Trivium, used to be a drum tech, and I just love seeing people persevere. I love seeing people um, evolve and you know be determined to make it in this industry because it it, it is so hard. And um, I'm really glad to have him on the show. And just you know, little uh, disclaimer: you know, a lot, a lot of times I'll have ex members of Blank Band, and I'm friends with the band. <laughs> And then I'm also friends with the ex-member, um, you know, but I, I always want to make it clear that just because I'm bringing on someone who's an ex-member that I'm not like taking sides or I hope, hopefully none of those guys are annoyed that I'm bringing on an ex-member of the band. Because I, I would love to have those guys on the show as well. Me and Paulo have been in touch about doing a show at some point, but, you know, everyone is very, very very busy but anyway enough about that guys gotta do the disclaimers let people know this is a you know this is a warm loving space and and doc coil's friend to all men so and i love trivium and matt is a great guy too so anyway i think you guys are really gonna enjoy this please check out my conversation with my old buddy matt madero so it's the last day of this tour. You know, we've been touring essentially together since the springtime. Yeah. And uh, it's snowing outside. It's cold. It's cold. It's weird. <laughs> it's wet. Um, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I've been bugging you to do this show for quite some time. And uh, and as the, the sexiest man in rock and roll. I appreciate that. You know, besides myself, of yeah, course. Yeah, I feel I'm like it's, it's me. Up. And you at a distant, very far, there's a huge gap, you yeah. know, I mean, you look good, but yeah, yeah. I look great. Spectacular. Yeah. And that's really, you know, and that's all that matters, yeah. really. Talent, uh, ability, um, looks. intelligence, none of these things matter, all right? But anyway, <laughs> Matt, Madeira, welcome to the X-Man Show. Hey, thank Thanks you, man. So, thank you. Thank you so much. I, I, I really appreciate it. Um, appreciate I, you having me. I love having people on the show that I have a history with. Yeah. And that... Oh, we got history. Well, we have... <laughs> <laughs> Listen, man, you can't you can't talk about that on the show, all right? This is um this is a family program. <laughs> uh, um, no, no, I, I love having people on the show that have a history with, especially people that I've get, gotten to see 
at multiple yeah. points in their career and kind yeah, of you've kinda, seen firsthand yeah as like, this little 20 year old kid on the 2012 trespass america tour when i was still teching and you're planning god forbid all the way to 2018 we're sharing stages together in arenas yeah so i mean it's it's funny because there's a lot of kind of through lines between where we are now and then so it was five finger death punch headlining yeah this 2012 uh festival kind of run is uh kill, kill switch engage trivium emure pop, pop evil, evil. Battlecross, uh, yeah, God, God forbid, and and Battlecross. And at the time, you were a drum tech. Yeah, um, who was playing drums at the time for a Trivium? Nick Augusto. Nick Nick was still yeah. Nick was still playing. Um, which is, you know, what's funny about that? He was. Is we were on the we were on Mayhem Festival 2009 <laughs> when he was teching for Trivium. Yeah, for Travis, <laughs> and then he took the throne. Listen, man, I've 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 been there for a lot of these things. Um, <laughs> but um. How did you end up even working for Trivium as a drum tech? So I, I started January of 2012 working for a band called IC Stars, a little Warped Tour style band. Um, don't where are they? Where are they from? Are they from? They're from Michigan, I believe, somewhere in Michigan, like outside of Detroit. Because I always see them in LA. Yeah, they. I think some of them might live out there now. Yeah. Um, but they they were originally based out of here in Detroit, and I knew a guy from MySpace. You know, I was back. 14, 16 year old kid, always just networking. I was always putting stuff out there, trying to build my own bands. And I got friends with this guy who's kind of like a middleman into a smaller management company. He used to put shows together in Detroit and Columbus area and stuff like that. Um, he did stuff with Miss May I, Devil Wears Prada, We Came As Romans, I See Stars, a lot of the, the more warped tour sounding bands. Mm -hmm. And then um, became friends with him and he was actually driving bandwagon for I See Stars on a tour and he was tour managing he had me come out to all the shows i got friends with the guys i was setting up the dude's drums he didn't have a tech um i was pretty knowledgeable i felt like i was pretty knowledgeable without actually being a drum tech on what i was doing they were pretty stoked on my work so they had me come out on their headliner in 2012 january so were um, you were you playing drums in any band at this time or no i was just just trying to put a band together never worked out so i was like you know what you know, nothing in my area, my little Amish town area in Honeybrook, Pennsylvania was going to work. So I was like, well, the best thing to, for me to do is hop in the industry, being a drum tech. And what was your, do you have a goal? Was it, was it? I mean, my goal was definitely to play. Like yeah. that was my goal to play. But for me, it's like work is work. So I, I needed to make money. You know, I was out of high school at the time. You know, I, you I weren't had, trying to go to college. Or I wasn't going to college. Like my thing was music. Like that's what I wanted to do. And, and nothing was going to stop me. Um, no matter how I had to do it. So I got on that tour and then they had me brought out on a second tour. It was Asking Alexandria, Trivium, uh, Icy Stars was on it, I think. I went to that show at the Starland. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, and I think somebody, I forget who else was on it. No offense to them. It was quite a while ago. I don't think I showed up to Trivium played, I'll be honest. <laughs> uh, I I mean, I wouldn't have either. By the way, the snow is coming down, it dude. It is. It's pouring right now. Holy crap. Um, But that tour i was still working for the ic stars guys uh joey bruckman who we both know was tour managing trivium at the time shout out to joey and, yeah doing front of house and uh he actually picked up a side gig working for the ic stars guys on the tour to just run sound for them for you know whatever price he chose per show and so we started kind of working hand to hand together i was kind of like i see stars little stage guy like mm. we had a guitar tech as well who's crushing it um but I was dealing with a lot of the drums and the the hand-on-hand -hand stuff with Joey, and he just saw that like 
this young kid barely making any money out here is just tuning drums for three hours a day and polishing kits and making sure everything's perfect. You took it's, it seriously. Oh yeah, it's, uh, that's all I knew. Like when I was out here, I figured you work from the time that the trailer's open till the time the trailer's closed. Like I didn't know that once you got the drums to a point, like they could just stay there. I was like, you gotta make sure you're working the whole time. I so. think that's kind of interesting considering <clears throat> You know, so many people, when they get on the road, they really have to learn the ropes. But you kind of instinctively understood the, you know, just kind of setting the bar really high. Because I know a lot of dudes, especially when they first start out, and if they're with the wrong band, they just really out there to party. Out there to like, oh, I can smoke weed and and work. Or I can, can, you know, because there is the lifestyle aspect of it. Um, And listen, not, not, not like there's everything wrong wrong with wrong with that but i think the fact that you kind of had that mentality from day one is it's kind of says a lot i think i owe that honestly all to my dad he was in the military he's a marine and he brought me up with that type of mentality of like you work hard and and that's what you do and and you're playing but i think think there's working hard but i think there's also taking pride in your work yeah you know i think i love drums i love craftsmanship i love art yeah um so i think all those things kind of came through and it's like i wanted this dude to look like a, a true rock star when he's up there or whatever and the kit's perfect and it's shining it's sounding huge and everything's working great and he just has to go up there because i was i always put myself in somebody else's shoes how would i want it to be for me if i was up there yeah and and that's kind of how i did it and luckily i had that knowledge without even really having the knowledge or somebody to show me that kind of picked up but that's how uh i then got the offer for trivium to come work with them because their jump tech was leaving joey saw you know my mentality as a young kid and just out there barely making any cash at the time i was just willing to do it because it was something i really wanted to get involved with so they're like let's grab him up before he becomes more expensive now we can have him under our wing so was trip was <clears throat> trespass with trivium that was the first run uh that was i want to say that was the third run okay so um, you had been out with them for a while <clears throat> yeah so i uh, was flown down like early festivals and and like rock, welcome to Rockville stuff like that probably well, I want to say like May mm-hmm. around that time May was flown down and uh, hopped right into a tour they started a tour like two days prior or something like that uh, and it just Nick was gonna try and tech himself mm-hmm. and it was like not gonna happen it just wasn't gonna work so they flew me down went into those shows did a bunch of the uh, you know arena festival shows and stuff like that and a couple one-offs and then we went into i believe europe after that and then came back and then we did trespass america and did those shows so it was like just huge going from a bandwagon sleeping on a couch into this bus for this very large metal band uh and then going overseas was just like you know it was a complete 360 of like what i was doing well actually technically be a 180 180. yeah i was about to correct myself listen guys you know uh, you know when i'm uh when i'm not podcasting and rocking out i'm spending a lot of time reading math monthly you do you um, teach uh ap classes don't you uh algebra.org yeah they have a lot of uh problems on there that i saw if you got a problem you know i'll solve it yeah i thought you were gonna finish the line i thought you're gonna come with that vanilla ice goodness man i don't know um, <laughs> is that is that a racial comment to me? Jeez. No, I just figured that's like in the parlance of our times. We just we all know, uh, you know these these lyrics. You know, like like you know. I actually never listened to Vanilla Ice too much, except for I mean Ice Ice Baby. Yeah, that's what that's what the, it's but from. I only listen like the chorus. Is for is isn't Vanilla Ice from Pennsylvania or some shit like that? I don't know. I don't know. I'm you know what's here's the thing. I could look that up. I could we, we I could, could Google. We I could, both I have could, our phones. I could Pedia that shit, but not gonna do it. 
All actually, I think I, for some reason I think that because I I know I was around when when he put out that that rock album that album that sounded like Corn, and I think he played oh. like the, he played like the Croc Rock. Oh yeah, Tom Taylor's Crock Rock. And I felt like people were like Jeez. I feel like he was he was doing well, but in Allentown he was super crushing it. He was killing it. That would that Maybe just he's put... from like Scranton or something, because Allentown's not too far from Scranton or Wilkesbury area. Okay. You know where the breaking band dudes are from? Shout out because we're on the same By the way, I'm 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 proud of you because you don't you don't really have the kind of that area Pennsylvania accent. You know who has it in your band though? Matt. Matt's got it. Oh yeah. yeah. He's, he's from it. like he's Lancaster based. I'm uh I'm closer to Philly. So, but it's but I feel like it's prominent in Philly too, depending on where a little you, bit you know depending on where, 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 where you are. I think I grew up a little bit culturally different than Matt did. Oh yeah, <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. He grew up like in the thick of the Amish, and then I grew up. Is that where that comes from? Philly-ish area. You've been blaming the Amish for a lot of your problems, you know, in this in this, we, in this we, interview. We have, yeah. We you do. know, I, I took a trip to Amish country with my grandparents when I was Did like uh, ten years old, and I loved it. Did you have some of the the pastries and the food, dude? They're we went phenomenal. to phenomenal. I remember we went to one of this. It was like a family style restaurant. Yeah, and they bring out giant bowls of of every good food, everything, and then I was obsessed with shoe fly pie for like a year. And it's insane. Yeah. And then all the, if you go to Walmart, they have like Amish macaroni salad or potato salad now, and everybody's like, what is this? And it's like, you that's the only way you can have it. Like, that's the best way to have it, is an Amish style, any type of potato salad, pasta salad, whatever it might be. All right, man. See, it's see, great. Getting, get, get, getting deep out here in Amish. See, I need, I need some Amish people on the show now. We need, I don't know if there are any Amish rockers out there. I don't think there is. Well, you maybe know. they're on Rumspringa. Like, if you catch one on Rumspringa and they're out there like yeah. doing all their drugs. Like, Modest Yahoo, he's not. He's he's Jewish, right? He's I not. Think so. He's not Amish. Yeah. Like, uh, by the way, I'm probably gonna get some hate mail for that. Like, how dare you <laughs> conflate? I'm like, listen, I just see beards and hats. All right. <laughs> yeah. I get beards and hats. I don't. I don't know who. Really, I don't know who's it, who, what's what. It's funny how many religions <laughs> actually really hone in on the beard. Yeah. You know, you have Sikhs, they yeah. have beards. You know, Muslims have beards. Jewish people have beards, and the Amish have beards. The Amish, yeah. Is they, am I missing out on anyone who's, you know, really... I think the big separation between the Amish is that they have the bowl cuts, too. Like, you have to have a bowl cut, it oh, seems really? like, if you're Amish. Yeah, every, every male Amish dude I see has, like thick top head of hair and then it's just around the eyebrows around the tops of the ears just bowl cut it's like layers of so man you know just weirdness simplicity you know you know everyone's got a bowl in the house <laughs> you know but hey that's the salad bowl on top of the head as soon as they're done giving you that wonderful pasta yeah out of that bowl they put it on their head boom. freshen up boom that's you know listen it, but that you know I'm, I'm from the 80s you know it's like another planet, the '80s. I'm from the '80s. I was born '91, and bowl cuts were were all the, the all the jam. Like that little kid in The Shining. Oh yeah, he had an epic bowl yeah, cut. Yeah, that's basically the Amish cut. Okay, right on, man. Right on. Wait, yeah, wait, wait. You know that was that was a nice little little, little, little tangent. Uh, I'm off on it. <laughs> so speaking speaking of the Amish, um, you joined prominent Amish heavy metal band Trivium. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. They were they were primarily Amish. Yeah. How did um yeah so. Obviously, I, I saw you on the, on that tour, and and that was really right around the time I stopped touring for about yeah for for, for a while outside of doing a little, little few tours here and there. So so I kind of I went away. Sometimes you have to go away. Yeah. But um, how long between that tour uh, did you actually start playing with Trivium, and how did that actually come about? I, I want to say what that Trespass America was probably July August I'd mm -hmm. say of 2012. Uh, 
those dudes finished that album cycle and then I went and started teching for As I Dying and then the whole that thing happened where As I Dying kind of is that picking up? <laughs> Heat vent just kicked on super loud. I think it is picking up. I'll turn it off. All right. But, we, we, uh, tough. we don't need no heat out here. Yeah, we don't need that. We got man heat. We sit here, we, we, we hold each other. Yeah, we're cuddling. You know, that's what men do. <laughs> Cuddle. Uh, no, so, no, no, man. We, we embrace. <laughs> brotherly embrace. Oh, yeah, that's what they call it. That's right. That's we ain't cuddling, dog. Yeah, we embracing each other. I'm the big spoon. We embracing each other. Uh, <laughs> shit's getting weird back here. Uh, so finish that the Asley dying stuff everything happened you know with those guys so trivium comes back to do the new album 2004 no so was that, was that strife that would have been yeah with strife and all that vengeance falls was a new album that they went and worked on with david draymond yeah they finished the in waves album which is the one that i came up on you know um 2013 vengeance falls comes out they started their album cycle and then in 2014 april i believe it was i want to say or no, it was May, May 5th of 2014. We're on the, uh, what was it, Volbeat tour mm -hmm. that we're doing. And uh, we had a day off in Pittsburgh and they decided that they were gonna part ways with Nick and then- On the actual tour? On the tour. Wow. There was probably two, not even two weeks left, or I'd say about two weeks. We had two weeks left, about a week and a half with Volbeat and then a couple shows with Killswitch. And on the tour, it was after Carolina Rebellion, day off in Pittsburgh, uh, they let Nick go, pulled me into a dressing or not dressing room, but a hotel room, asked me to learn the set. They said that I could have probably an extra day. And then they called me back into the room and said, we actually need you to do it tomorrow. We can't cancel the show. So I had 20, less than 24 hours to learn nine songs. Luckily, I, they were mostly it, it the was singles. A, it was a support slot. Support so, slot. So it wasn't a full. Yeah, 45 show. minute, nine song support slot. Um, so we cruised through them, but it was just, it's a different mindset it's a different feeling going from sitting behind the kit and kind of tapping on the back of the riser as somebody else is playing you just you kind of know the songs but you don't really know them now did and they did they know the extent of your your drum skills at that point the matt really i think all of them knew that i was capable of playing but matt really believed in it um i think looking back on it now they definitely tested the waters with me so i, I realized like 2013 we're in sound wave and uh they'd be backstage behind the backdrop and they'd get in their ears on and checking their guitars and stuff like that themselves. And Matt would go and say, hey, go out there and, and play part of Black with us, you know, from In Waves. And uh, I knew the one section and uh, he would play the riff and then it was only going through his ears, but I would check the drums for out front so he could check his ears. But he was seeing how locked in I was with them because mm. he knew from a business standpoint that things were getting, I think a little bit weird. I could see it from the outside perspective that there was becoming some sort of difference between the band and Nick and other things were going on. Yeah. Um, and I think that they started to test the waters with things like that. Like, hey, like try and you know, play this little, little tests bit. almost. Yeah. Or hey, can you check the drums again and again and, and play this or just solo it real quick. So they could see that I was capable of doing it. Yeah. So you, you end up doing this, this gig, um, what were you crazy nervous or oh, was I was, it i was so nervous yeah um i was sent to the bus um i was actually sent to the the bus to get wait on an uber go to guitar center they told me get whatever i need to make the show happen tomorrow like get sticks get cymbals pedals whatever you need i didn't know what to do and i'm like i don't want to spend a lot of money so i was like i'll just make whatever work work i just got i think a pair of sticks and i Eight. was like no just one pair just one. a pair 
what? I was just like, I'll just get a pair of sticks that feel better for me. And I just got one pair. Like I was so nervous that I couldn't even think right. I got a practice pad, I think, and uh, a pair of Vic Verse sticks. Man, I would have came back. I would have had PRS guitars. <laughs> I would have had Martin. I would have. I would have had some DJ Brand gear. Brand new ears, like lights. Dude, I, mean, like, I, I have to have yo, these lights. Hey man, this disco ball, I need it above me. Listen here, yo. I remember doing this show with Motley <laughs> Crue back in the day, and. Tommy Lee had a DJ set up in their dressing room, so he'd be DJing yeah. in the whole. And, you, and I'm like, yo, you know, that's but that's what he needs to get ready. Yeah. And you being, you know, the sexiest man in rock and roll behind. You, sometimes behind you, it was right? like, hey guys, I needed this DJ set up to get yeah. mentally prepared yeah. for, the, for the gig. You know, two cold waters, one half te room temperature water, and then like three warm waters. You know, some weird stuff. Is that, a, is that a thing? I have no idea. I just made it up. Okay. Just some, some thought about some, the most some, ridiculous some thing. lemon juice. Yeah, like three different Gatorade styles, like a water, a tea, a soda. Who knows? Might need something in the middle. Sip I don't a think they egg. have tea at, at Guitar Center, man. They probably don't. You know, it's all right. But I went there, tried to get whatever I, I thought I needed. Literally couldn't think of anything. Came back, and I was just sitting on the bus with my in-ears on, just trying to listen to everything. Luckily, I had about a year and a half of listening to the older stuff and they were playing mostly all the singles it was yeah. on a Volbeat run so they're kind of catering more to the radio style sound that they mm -hmm. have and uh i was able to understand the songs but a lot of the trivium songs as you know aren't just a typical like formulaic song of like okay here's a verse pre-chorus chorus verse pre-chorus chorus two bridge chorus ending uh so it it's a little bit different than that yeah there's, 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 there's intricacies yeah and there's fast-paced parts and stuff like that like it was definitely pushing the limits for me to just hop in there. But uh, I just remember staring at the back of Matt's jacket the entire time, just praying that I don't fuck this whole thing. He doesn't like, give up. you the look, the look to turn around like. Yeah, I was waiting what? for it. I was waiting <laughs> for it. I'm just like, man, like if I do one thing wrong, this show could be bad. Volbeat was kind enough. They gave us their entire sound check and they let us go into ours to rehearse the set twice. And then that was all the practice that I had. The night before, I was literally just hearing it in my head and visualizing myself behind a drum set. So then when I hopped up the next day and did the sound check, that was my my run through. And then I did the show. Did you know the night. story when I, I, I filled in for Paolo? I heard about that. Yeah. I uh, It was the day before Mayhem 2009. Literally the, the day I was, no, no, I was flying the, the following day. So Paolo gave me a call. He was getting his wisdom teeth taken out. He's mm -hmm. like, oh, I can't, can't make this show. Can you fill in? And so I, I instead of like packing yeah. <laughs> to get ready for the show, I had to learn. Lucky it was, I think it was five songs, but like one of the songs was from the first album. So it's just crazy. It wasn't even crazy. It was just I just didn't know it. Yeah. So it's it's you're just like why are they playing a song that no one knows? It just it was yeah. just it was yeah, just kind of it kind of threw me off. But did that you know and then uh, then Corey kind of then we had the w one day at you know like pre-production day and Corey kind of ran through everything through me and I was I nailed it you're solid listen was, that's why you're pro listen man here well actually I was mad because I didn't learn the the background vocals you wanted like, to do backups and play bass hell yeah man I want to hit the because <laughs> probably hitting them high harmonies man I wanted yeah. to, I wanted to work on you know what now I probably could have did it because I'm a oh, I'm yeah. a better singer I'm kind of you know yeah. but you know more that's adjusted what, everything thrown at certain situations it was fun. and stuff it was fun even though you know i'm gonna shout out um the old drummer travis the only time i screwed up was the um the little breakdown in in pull harder it's like and when it kicked in he like slowed down so it was like didn't didn't i was like 
what? Uh. <laughs> like so you're real. like standing. I was tempo. ahead. I was ahead. Yeah. So you know, shout out to Travis. You know, you kind of fucked me up there. <laughs> and you know, put other, you out. <laughs> other than that, I would have had a flawless. Put you. Set, yeah. You know. So was, from yeah. what I hear, you know, let's say it wasn't your fault. Listen, I'm just, I'm just saying. Listen, the one thing I said I did pretty good, but pretty good. You know, but not that anyone's no one's paying attention to the bass player. Yeah. No one cares. Yeah. You know. That's you know. Unless you're like Maiden or something like this. We don't like even this. have one. What? Smash just doesn't even have a bass player. Which is the problem. All right, we'll get to that. <laughs> we'll get to you cheap sons of bitches, all right? Dude, it's, we crush it. They, they, they live in, in luxury so, so that a base play, another bass player can be unemployed, all right? Your bass player's over here going, I'm going to learn your set and play with you guys. It's great. But we'll get that's to that. today, right? Yeah, I think so, he's yeah. Gonna, he's going he's gonna to do that? That's, we'll, that, that's awesome. So, so you're super nervous. You do the gig. Um, and to start, it was, it was just... Fill in. Let's yeah, see. Just, let's just, see how he does. Let's see. Let's see what's going on. Let's see what he's capable of. But I think Matt, like I got along with those guys really well. Like yeah. our personalities meshed really well. Like I was with those guys for a long time, and I was twenty year old kid like when I started with them. So I was a young kid, and I was still young even you know right now. I'm only twenty seven now, but like it was kind of like they had this younger brother that they could like you know bring up you know what that is it's like so you have like a, some cougar right some lady yeah. and she'll find some young 21 year old you know and she's like you know what i'm gonna do maybe they're on some weird I'm, shit no 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 not that they're like <laughs> you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna sculpt this motherfucker yeah into the man i want him to be yeah and that's what they were doing they're looking they're like we're going to turn we're going to turn him <laughs> into the drummer of of our our destiny oh yeah i mean <laughs> I, I think that's really what they want because like our personalities got along great um i was you know what they said i was killing it uh it just you know eventually yeah yeah well, well yeah i mean um so so you did did you ever do an actual album with them silence in the snow okay yeah um i actually until the world goes cold is a song that i think i had the most hands-on with um that song nobody really wanted anything to do with the producer the band included it started off completely different started off with like a, a minute long intro of acoustic guitar kind of pushing the classic side of playing a very like metallica kind of style mm -hmm. intro and then it went into like this huge pause for like way too long and then all of a sudden like a really slow metallica style breakdown who who produced that album uh elvis basquette oh, he's yeah. done a bunch of tremani stuff slash okay um florida, florida guy yeah orlando okay. based so the band's based out of orlando they went with him they were trying to go on a more radio sound yeah. and i think that they also realized that i was more of a radio style drummer i wasn't a thrash drummer i'm not a thrash drummer i'm not a yeah. metal drummer i didn't grow up playing metal i grew up playing hip-hop and yeah. i grew up playing pop music country and then when i was like 14 to 16 i started getting into rock you went the wrong way man that's where the money's at man you should have been you should be playing with timberlake or somebody I, like this i would love to be playing with timberlake or something like that but i was don't uh, tell these guys you gotta you gotta get that's a secret you gotta was, you gotta <laughs> keep all these dreams buried you know and then when you know when timberlake calls you're like hey guys uh this isn't gonna work out um i'm going to get paid all yeah, right i'm going to uh tour stadiums that's right that's right. Private. We'll be flying private to, yes. the, to, to the to the venue, <laughs> even to my hotel. That's right. That's right. Um, helicopter Hel helicopter into the venue onto stage. By so you know you know you're doing well when not only do you fly by helicopter, but you just you're flying so much. You're like I might as well learn yeah. how to fly a helicopter. Yeah, let's learn how to fly a helicopter. Do you need anything from here? You good? All right. No, you're doing an interview. Oh, it's all good. Um, it's not an interview. It's a conversation, man. Yeah, we're, we're just friends talking. Uh 
So where were we? Um, we were talking about um, you originally were not into thrash metal. Oh, and you were kind yeah, of yeah. you you were you know you you felt a lot more comfortable on Silence in the Snow because they were going in a more kind of rock yeah. type direction. I was also very nervous uh, at the beginning of it because I'd never really gotten to do something at that like huge of a of level before of yeah. doing an album that much or I've never really done an album prior to that that was my was, first album i've ever recorded was the but that's what i'm saying it must be you know because i've i've recorded a bunch of albums and it's, it's never i don't know it's it's always this kind of mountain you have to climb like yeah. there's always that that the, the nerves and all right i have to perform and i have to yeah. you know and, 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 I'm for, a, and for, I'm a perfectionist yeah I but i'm saying but for a drummer perfect. it's even harder because you're the foundation usually the drummer yeah. records first yeah um was was that experience smooth or was it was it difficult or? it was a little bit of both yeah. um at first i was very nervous and i think that showed a lot uh but i wasn't given any of the demos until about no more than two weeks prior so they do going down they kind of do things where they program do program drums yeah. and that kind of thing they programmed everything out like to the most basic form do they ever, do idea. they ever, did they get in a room at all beforehand? Uh, we did with the producer. We got into the room. So what happened was I got sent the tracks two weeks prior, if maybe not even a week and a half prior, flew down and was told, don't learn anything. Everything's going to change. Uh, got down there and we had two weeks to work on the songs by ourselves. And then just basically rewriting them from scratch, like yeah. take this idea and rewrite them. Now these guys have been working on them for a while. So they understand the melodies, where they want to go with them. They've been talking about it. I don't know anything. Yeah. So they're kind of looking at me like, why aren't you catching on? But it's like, I didn't know anything. I was told, don't learn it. Don't get too invested in it. Then Elvis came in for three, I think it was two weeks or three weeks. We worked on stuff. Um, I think I want to say it was like two weeks. So it was a month of like really writing but two weeks on our own and then he came in and was like, let's perfect this, let's make this what it should be. And then went to the studio. And um, what I was going with Until the World Goes Cold, that was a song that I had the most say in. Elvis, um, you know, shout outs, I'm a different drummer than I am. I'm a different drummer now and more mm -hmm. experienced than I was then. He, uh, he he definitely did doubt me at the beginning and wanted to bring somebody else in. But I was like, which is man, which like, is which is very common. It is very common. You, you know, know it's, it's a brand new album for me. Yeah, I've never done this before. Um, so he was going to just bring somebody in who was experienced. But those guys, Trivium, really did believe in me. Like they were like, no, like he understands us. Like he gets us. We work well together. Let's do this. Um, so Elvis did have a big part uh, in, I would say, the production side of my drums. So for me. A lot of it was stuff that I was coming up with, but also it was like, oh, we'll, we'll do this off the hi-hat or do this type of beat or, or go into this. And I was like, okay, well, he knows best. You know, he knows better than I do. Uh, Until the World Goes Cold was a song, though, for me that, like I said, nobody else wanted to do with anything with. And Corey was playing this weird thing that he's doing at the beginning of the song for something completely different. He was just messing around one day at the beginning of rehearsals, and I heard it. And I was so addicted to Korn. Um, what album was it? The... The one that has like love and meth and all that it was from 2013. The par oh, paradigm shift. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, the the dubstep album. Yeah. So they turned, they toured that one May, of, Mayhem 2014. It was, and I watched them every night. Ray Lazier is one of my favorite rock drummers. Phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. So I took a lot of what he was doing, a lot of that stuff, and it was just invested into me. So going into until the world goes cold, I heard this corn style 
guitar playing part and I immediately was like we got to do like a corn style huge hit off of this so I did the beginning fill and we started working it out and then I was like kind of coaching the bass part a little bit but like those guys know what they're doing yeah. I was like let's get like this type of rhythm going to it and I wrote the bridge part like with all the syncopation and I wrote the chorus off the drums they did the melodies they did the guitar work but I did like all the structural parts mm. of Until the World Goes Cold and the whole time I was like this isn't going to be a single this isn't going to be a single but I fully was like this is well, this is that song well I, I think that was a big um shift for them I remember first hearing it and being like oh this is, this yeah. is a different it vibe. was totally different but yeah. it was it was very for me very corn influenced boom we had to take a little break um you know we had a you know we had snow pirates and, they swooped uh, in out of nowhere fucking snow pirates man they came in it was like a weird pirate ship with a plow on it no it's different it wasn't a pirate ship all right it was a pirate <laughs> um kind of like a like a like a snow cruiser um you know like like an 18 van with uh skis on it anyway yeah. so so you were ripping off corn you know you're yeah. a big corn thief <laughs> big corn thief um so we're talking about uh, silence in the snow yeah and then the, the song um until the world goes cold Until the world goes cold hey i'm not the first person to admit that either i've had some other people tell me who are in other very successful headlining style bands go yeah this part is pretty much a corn thing just slowed down in a drum drum thing so yeah they're one of the most influential it's, bands yeah, of all they're time they're very very influential so so is there gonna get am i gonna get feedback like next time i see paulo who's like first off tell that bitch he ain't right shit we did it because <laughs> i mean you, you ever notice that though actually i'm i'm, I'm, I'm gonna cut you off and we re say that you ever notice that how you'll you'll write some stuff with a band and then years later everyone has a different yeah. memory oh yeah no, no no i wrote all that i wrote all that i mean Corey wrote that guitar thing that, that he was doing me? yeah yeah no. he was doing that and whether i mean what i remember was that it wasn't for until the world goes cold at all because we weren't even touching that song we put that one to the where's the christmas music coming from i don't know i don't hear it you know what the people in the x-men can't hear it either i legitimately true all right here's the thing you know, christmas, christmas music, music is it, glorious it's probably up front that's all right greetings from evergreen podcasts we're rolling out a listener survey and we want to hear from you the information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers i know most people don't like ads but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on we promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. Well, hey, friends, my name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? Good morning. 
I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. Hey there, I am Johnny Christ from Avenged Sevenfold, and I've got a podcast called Drinks with Johnny you're going to want to check out. I sit down with a bunch of different people from all different walks of life, from professional wrestlers to actors, comedians, fighters, musicians, everything in between. I'm just looking to make some friends and have a good time doing it. So if that sounds like something you're into, go check out Drinks with Johnny, streaming everywhere now. But anyway. Do you, um, can you hear what song it is? One of my guys up front are just being weird. No, I can't. Do you have a favorite? By the way, another tangent. Do you, what's your favorite Christmas song? Oh, a Frank Sinatra song. Probably any Christmas Frank Sinatra song. I th- would right. say is my favorite. That's a terrible answer, all right? You pick a fucking song, right? Stick with it, all right? A Christian a one, all right? Well, one about the Lord, all right? Mine is the Little Drummer Boy, all right? <laughs> Starring sexy Matt Madeiro, yes. all right? The song they wrote about you back in the year before. They knew that I was coming. Yeah. So they were just. They were like little drummer boy. Any 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 who's so <laughs> anyways. Let's get back. so you you wrote the entire song by yourself. Yeah, you yeah. Did everything. No you, help. You sang the song. You produced the in song. In a dream. In a dream. <laughs> no, no. But um, so you did the record. Um, and how long were you with the band and, and touring after that? Uh, so what was it? Until November. I want to say seventh. I'm really good with dates for some yeah, reason. Yeah, you're you're really good. This November seventh, two thousand fifteen. So the only thing I didn't do to finish out two thousand fifteen was not fest Mexico. Uh, that's when Paul came in. I was gonna say his last name, but I don't really know how to pronounce it. So Paul came in, and uh, he did that one. Yeah. So that was without me. But yeah, I um. What did I was you trying... did you did you see this coming? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Was it? You know, was there kind of distance personally before all this, or was it completely a a a music chemistry type of thing? Both, for sure. So after the album, there was the doubts, you know, whatever. But I, I proved everybody like, okay, he's capable of doing these things. And and my whole career with them was kind of thrown into everything. Uh, you have this long to learn to set. You're playing tomorrow. Don't learn any of these songs. Come down here. We got to get this album done basically in two weeks before the producer comes in. But there's, so also, a, there's was... also a pattern because that literally happened three times in a row where it, it seemed like they, you know, and listen, I, and I hate to kind of uh, speak on their behalf. And I'm, and I'm friends with all those guys. So, yeah, you know, probably I'm still show, friends with them. Yeah. You know, I, I, I love those dudes. So I don't want to. Um, speak out of out of turn but there was definitely seemed like a pattern where they'd have someone they weren't happy and they they had to make a move yeah um kind of on the fly yeah my thing was you know i was stoked with the record and finally did something did all that stuff and then we started we kept touring and i think the initial shock value of everything that was going on started to wear off i had a lot of home issues going on too this was all new to me this was crazy new lifestyle to me. I'm trying to adjust to everything. I'm being asked to move down to Orlando and just up and kind of change my life. But the biggest thing that was really holding me back, and I think the biggest reason, and I have yet to voice this on anything, so I'm kind of glad I'm doing it on this, um, was my own self. Like, I got in my own way. Like, I could easily still be in Trivium. There's no doubt in my mind that I could, you know, still be in that band 
I don't think I wanted to be. Yeah. I don't think for stylistically, for me, for my own internal happiness, I didn't want to be in a metal band. I don't want to be in necessarily a metal band. I will play metal music. I have nothing wrong with it, but I'm just in a, like where I grew up, what I listened to, what makes me happy just wasn't that. And I don't think I was going to be able to contribute to what they needed long-term. I knew that they were gonna wanna go back to what they just put out, the Thrash album. Who they have now, Alex Bent, is the perfect fit for them. Now, I got along great with these dudes, and I still respect the hell out of these guys, and I'm so grateful for every opportunity that they've given me, but when like I was asked to move to Orlando and do all these things, and I was just like, this is a lot of fun for me, this is great that I'm becoming a, a professional drummer, but I was just like, I didn't see myself in it long-term. I said, okay, well, I made sure that all my endorsements were given to me. So that way, if I got fired, because they're like you said, there was kind of a revolving door going mm -hmm. on that I was able to to kind of up and leave. And then I was looking at it at a spectrum of like, I kind of want to start a side project. Now that I have a little bit more clout behind my name, I can maybe start a side project with other legit musicians as well and make this a little easier on myself. So I kind of checked myself out before. And then it got to a point where like, they sent me 10 of their hardest songs to learn in two weeks three weeks time so again like for a tour for for like yeah we're gonna get ready to do a month of rehearsals and then go out on some headlining stuff overseas summer breeze uh we did what was it the festival bloodstock mm -hmm. um so we were headlining a bunch of stuff and it was pretty big it was huge and i didn't grasp a hold of the magnitude of it because i already already kind of checked myself out in a way but i was still there but they sent me the songs and i was like oh I don't want to learn these right now. You know, it's like, it wasn't like exciting for yeah. me to learn them. So I put them off and put them it off. It felt like work. It felt like work. And I put them off and then I went down the rehearsals and I wasn't a hundred percent. I was probably about 85% on some of the stuff and maybe a little slow on, you know, they, they put rain in there and that's a fast double kick song. And I, I didn't even attempt to do that one yet, but I was a little slow on some of the 210 BPM ones. Maybe just a little shy off of it's it. No joke. And, uh, they were just like kind of questioning it, questioning it. By the later in the week, I had all the other ones that we were doing pretty much down, but I didn't come in prepared. Yeah. And I think that they saw what I already was like feeling in myself, but they just saw it. They're professionals. They know what they're doing. They've been through this. And I apologize to them that I didn't take it more seriously. But at the same time, I, I want to, you know, I don't want to apologize because I'm being true to myself as well. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm happy where I'm at now. But they uh, they started to do the whole texting, you know, around me kind of getting a little different. And I actually saw a group message come into the wrong group saying, hey, I'm on the phone getting a conversation with uh, Pete Weber, Havoc's drummer in an mm -hmm. hour. And I was like, the hell? Like, what is this? And I, I've known the name before. So I was like, Pete Weber, it sounds familiar. I looked it up. So he was drummer of Havoc. And I was like, OK. And this was back in June or July of 2015 before we did the Tremonti tour, before we even went overseas, we still had a month of rehearsals. So I'm like now walking around kind of going, I'm I'm getting thrown out of this thing. And then uh, it was a weird feeling. It was definitely it was, a little, it was You can't awkward. fire me, I quit. Yeah, it was awkward. <laughs> so I was like, I was trying to like gain my steam back and, and try to reinvest myself again. And it just was like. At that point, it's probably too late. It was too late, yeah. So I knew what was going on and I was just trying to make the most of it at that point. Um, unfortunately, I did have to leave some stuff over in Europe and things like that, to whatever. So, but it's all replaceable items, you yeah. know. So just stuff. It's stuff. Symbols, pedals. I have great endorsements. Shout out Zildjian. Shout out DW. Those 
those companies have hooked me up so much and, and it's just had my support and had my back and, and everything. So I'm not even worried about it. And I wish Trivium the absolute best. I'm glad that they have Alex now because that dude is a monster on drums. And yeah. it's the guy that they've always needed. It was one thing I, I listened to on the, on the last record. It seemed like, I don't know if it was from their perspective or whoever they had in the band, but it seemed like the first time they were, they just had a drummer and said, hey, just go crazy. Yeah. You know, like I, yeah. where I heard like crazy he little came things. From, it was like what, Battlecross or something it was a background that he came from. So he was used to playing their original sound. And that's really what their fans were asking for. They wanted, excuse me, the advanced trivium that they became with the, you know, the new melodies and the catchier stuff. But they wanted that original trivium, like fast paced sound. And I wasn't going to deliver that. Yeah. I, like I said, I grew up playing hip hop and grooves and stuff. Like what I'm doing from, from Ashes to New, like that's perfect for me. Um, I would even like to venture even more into like the pop and hip hop stuff. Yeah. But this, as a band unit, like this is where I should be. Like I wasn't going to deliver that. And I don't necessarily, I don't want to hold a band back, you know, and, and they made the right decision. So you leave the band. Um, and at that point, are you, you depressed? Oh, I'm are like, you... my career is over in the music industry. Yeah. I'm like, well, I don't know if I can go back to teching because I'm like, I'm a drummer now. Nobody knows me as a drum tech anymore. Yeah, you, you feel, and, it, and it's also this, this idea I think of sometimes I think we feel it's a difficult idea to, to quote unquote, take a step back. Yeah. You know, even though there's a ton of great drummers who tech, you yeah. know, it's, it's, it's completely common or you know and and that that goes with uh with you know guitar and bass and a lot of people i know like tony Lorino, you know yeah. his tech and uh you know bubble you know who's in yeah. all their mains was a tech and and um tanner um uh, buddy tanner yeah, wayne was, he's now was in, in flames. flames yeah so so there is this kind of you know you know if you can stay humble to not really say hey you know what i just want to work i just want to be on the road yeah. i want to be involved and if i keep you know, stay involved. Another job is going to come along, or yep. or the, you you can just go hell. Even some of the, I forget uh, one of the dudes in in one of the two two dudes in Stone Sour they work for Slipknot when they're not yeah. playing in in, in in Stone Sour and just realizing, hey man, you got to work. Yeah, this you is just, that's what it is. You know, you, get, you know if you you sit sit around and thinking about, I'm a rock star. I cannot yeah. do blank. Yeah. You know, yeah. There's some people if you're you know. Joe Perry or your slash, you don't have to go and, yeah. and do it. But for most of us, you know, that are still you could still be behind the scenes. That was one thing I was told too. Is like, well, now that you're you know you're a drummer, you shouldn't go back to teching. It's like, no, like I'm I'm dressing all black and I'm behind the scenes. Like depending if I'm working for a big band too, like they have production, I can hide behind that production. Yeah, I won't even be seen. I'm off to the side. So it's like for me, it's like I'm staying hungry and yeah. humble. You know. Keep, so did you did you do any place. teching work? I did. So. I'm sitting around my house and I'm going, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm trying to find work, kind of living off of whatever I had left that was still in the bank account. And then I got hit up. I went down to Florida and I got hit up from 5B Management, actually. A, a buddy of mine, um, actually, George Valley was the guy that hit me up. Shout out to George Valley. Yeah, and he uh, he reached out and put me in touch with 5B. But 5B knew that I had tech before because I was obviously working with Trivium and Asley Dying both were on 5B. And um, they'd reach out and we're like, hey, there's this band, the prog metal band called Oni, a bunch of my friends now, and they were looking for techs. And I was doing nothing. So I went out with them and kind of just 
got my feet back, you know, a little bit. And I was like, I'm, I'm back into the industry again. Like I have something I'm doing because for a while I didn't know what was going to happen. Am I going to drum again? Is my drumming career over? Is my teching career over? Uh, just trying to figure out what I could do. So I went back to teching for a little bit. I think it was 2015 into 16. Don't screw this up. You're the date, man. 2015 right. into 16. I want a day, motherfucker. I want a time. Yeah. All right. I'm going to know a specific time. I'll give you location, the okay. coordinates. All right. Everything. Send me those coordinates. All right. We'll put I'll that in the show. We'll put that in the show notes. I'll send you those coordinates. So, yeah. That was 2016 because then the 2015 is when I got let go. So, 2016, August. Um, actually, no. I first filled in for From Ashes to New in April of 2016 or March of 2016 now uh and then i went back how to different was the lineup uh, in the band back then so we had well there was still the original drummer he was still involved but what happened was he was getting married and they needed a guy to fill in uh, we had the old singer we had another guitar player right now we only have lance uh, there was another one in the band so was there a bass player then there was not there okay. was no bass player so you guys are Hating on bass players. What man. happened was he quit at the original lineup. He was a part of it, and he quit because his girlfriend gave him the ultimatum. Oh, the um, the, the, the this happened. In, this has happened twice now in this band. In this band, you know, you know what? That that's some Pennsylvania shit. That's some Amish shit. No, because well, I'm not saying it's <laughs> Amish shit, but I just I just noticed like there's something about that. Especially you know, because I'm from Jersey. That would happen, it you know, in the bands from the hardcore scene all the yeah. time. Like you'd get that one you're guy. You're with me, or you're with the band. Yeah, or just you know, and I swear to God, I think ten out of ten times as it's happened, yeah, they always broke up anyway. Yeah, oh eventually. yeah, oh either relationships break up or then like something happens. Yeah, it's, so the original lineup had three old members still in it. Uh, now all three of those are gone, and and so who's the old, so it's Matt and Lance are, are original or just Matt's like, the only Lan uh, Matt's the only Lance Matt's the only original Lance is not Lance got brought in after day one was written but was not released yet so he was the original album the first album mm -hmm. um so he was brought in because he knew the original drummer i believe and that's how he got brought in because there was a bass player and a different guitar player and they quit so lance got brought in and then it was that lineup for a while all the way until october of 2016 then the singer and the drummer they both quit so then it became Lance, myself, and Matt, and then the old guitar player was still involved, but he wasn't there ever. Like he wasn't doing anything with us. He wasn't trying to make any decisions. He was living his life with his girlfriend and just didn't want anything to do with the band. I think he just didn't like the fact that, you know, the the singer had left and he didn't think it was gonna work out anymore, whatever it was. How did you guys find Danny? YouTube. Fucking YouTube, man. Yeah, so Matt and I were on a huge hunt trying to find anybody we could searching youtube searching everybody that we knew asking questions hitting everybody up labels management was he local or did he's he... no he's rochester new york so he still not, lives not in rochester too, not too far not okay. too far but he actually did um, a submission for an audition for something sumerian records had put out there it was supposed to be some what they were calling a uh, like super group of sumerian band members put together into mm -hmm. one band and they just had an audio track instrumental track and you had to write your own lyrics write your own melodies to it and just put it out there and we saw we went through the submission and we hit up a mm. lot of people who did it 
um, just to see if they were. How did you have that? Capable. Was that public knowledge? Or you had, yeah, you it was. Just... It was public on YouTube. Okay. So like that way, Sumerian could see who's getting the most reactions, who's yeah. getting the most traction, and then kind of go off of that. And we found that somehow. I don't even know how we found it because we don't really listen to a lot of bands in that type of world, I guess, yeah. or whatever. And uh, we found Danny's and we hit him up. And at first he completely ignored Matt. And this is after a, a huge hunt. So we're like, we gotta get a singer in here. Like we're working on the album and we have no real direction of what we're doing. And Matt hits him up, goes to his other inbox and completely ignores him. And then a friend, a mutual friend hit up Danny and was like, hey, you know, from Ashley Snow is trying to reach out to you. They literally contacted you about something. So then we had Danny actually come down before we even put out the auditions that we did. We had Danny come down and work with us and try to see what was going on. I was very skeptical and he knows this. I was the one that was most skeptical. He had a very like different sound to him. It was a little bit more whiny. It was a little bit more. You mean he sounded different then than he does now? Yeah, yeah. He sounds way better now. More like emo-ish. Exactly. Yeah, he sounded a little bit more emo back then, a little bit more the whine sound to it. And now he's like, a, a, as you hear every night, like he's crushing it, like yeah. he's killing it. And uh, Matt just, Matt heard the singer that he's going to be in him and I just couldn't. And he's like, believe in me. He's like, just believe in me. This guy can be molded into what he needs to be and he'll get it. He's just been had you met, Had you met him or spoken yeah. to him? So he, yeah, that's, I think that's half of it too, is he, just the, he, the personalities and seeing yeah. how you kind of connect on that level as he well. He came down, we got along great. And that was like the hardest part. Cause I was like, man, we all got along really well. Stylistically came down, like dressed just like all of us. And I was like, you know, we don't have to work on the, the visuals of all of us. Like we all just mesh that way, clicked right away. And that was the hard part. And then I went back on tour because I was in between teching and working on the new album still and um, for that Oni band. And I went away and we got all these other submissions. And I started kind of like dwelling on Danny's stuff. I'm like, I don't know. I don't so know. You were don't in, know. you were in the band at this point? At this point. This was 2017. Yeah. yeah. Fast forward to 2017. I know we just jumped a little bit. Mm. But um, yeah, so we're in the band. We're working on the album beginning of 2017. It's probably about April, May or April and uh, yeah, we finally solidified it with Danny. We we're like, you know what? This is the guy like out of all the submissions and everything we had, like he stood out, he had already come down work with us. We got along great. So are you guys so. with 10th street and 11, seven, you have a different management, different management. Okay. Yeah. Rick Smith and, and Dana had it. So how, how was the kind of in, the industry side of it in regards to member changes and getting a new singer was that was there any point where that part of it was like yeah guys maybe you should hang it up or maybe this isn't going to work I out i feel a lot of people wrote us off um I, I me coming from where i did nobody doubted it you know drummer coming from trivium oh well he's definitely capable of playing this style you know whatever so everybody's like stoked but, but at least but i'm saying but but the, the singer yeah, thing that's the singer huge. thing was different that was like the industry wrote that off they were like well this was the biggest rock debut in the last 10 years was the first album and all of a sudden they're on this huge hype at the time we had a different management we had rob mcdermott who used to do lincoln park so everybody's kind of relating us to lincoln park and going oh lincoln park 2.0 so there was this huge hype going on and uh it just all that happened and it seemed like everybody's like whoa like what happened with this band like everything was great and now it's just it looks like it's done fans started thinking that we quit you know or we're we're done uh, everybody in the industry was didn't want to touch us we kind of pissed a lot of people off because 
we were supposed to do a headlining tour back in February of 2016 or 17. And we were supposed to do Ship Rocked and we had to cancel last minute because the singer up and quit. Like yeah. very last minute. And originally he was going to stick around to finish out the album cycle. All he had to do was a week of Ship Rocked. It's a vacation. Why not do it? And then just do the headlining tour, which was three weeks. And then you're done the album cycle and part your ways. But the drummer, the original drummer, had uh, gotten his ear enough to really make him want to go. Him and Matt had just never really saw eye to eye, the drummer and, and Matt. And I think the old drummer just really wasn't happy with the fact that this was going to be successful without him. Yeah. And just wanted Matt to not see any success. And Matt's a very positive person. He's a very kind person. There was a lot of things said badly about him that were completely untrue. And all of us can vouch for that. Um, and it was just one of those situations where it got ugly towards the end. And yeah, a lot of people started to go, okay, this band's done. And having a, a singer change was huge. But we started to be able to prove to people with Danny and our new sound that like in our performance, we work, you look at videos of YouTube from back then when it was the original or the other lineup, not the original, but the past lineup to now and you see the performance wise and it's night and day. This band now is just so much more energetic. We mesh well together. It's a family. And back then it was a business. Yeah. And everybody was fighting for the alpha spot. And now it's it's just like everybody's working together. And it's great. Yeah, man. I, I, you know, it's funny. Is I didn't, outside of knowing you were in the band, mm -hmm. I had basically no familiarity yeah. with, with, with the band at all. And we, we did the tour together. And even then I was like, man, I, I hope this is going to work. Because we're even though we were both on yeah. the radio different spectrum yeah there's a there's a lot of um you know we're coming from this kind of super metal yeah thing and you guys are really coming almost from this pop yeah kind of kind of world we were worried about it too we but, were but, like, you oh. know, but, but some but the tour did really well yeah i think the the the, the co headline we did together um and i definitely recognize that from day one that you guys were really professional. Yeah. I feel it's just about, you know, you see your way your gear is set up and your lights and like you said, you guys all look the part and you just it's very seamless. Yeah. You know, how how you guys present. And you know, I saw from day one, I was like, these guys have fucking fans. Yeah. You guys, like you guys have real fans. And even though, you know, I see like record sales and some of the some of that stuff, but I can see them like, listen, this, whatever the trajectory is, mm -hmm. it's definitely, I don't know how big the band was before all this, but I know that whatever's going on. And, and I was, is Crazy the biggest single? Yeah, so far. It's the biggest radio single. I think Through It All has been the most streamed. Yeah. Um, it's over like 20 But it hit, what did it hit? It hit two or something? Number or two number on two. Active Rock Radio. Yeah. 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 It, it, I don't even know where I was going to go, but it was like, I don't even know where I was going to go. I had a great thought and I just totally lost it. I <laughs> well, just blanked. Well, one of the, one of the things I was interested in is, you know, touring with a band like us or touring with a five finger death punch. Like you guys do, do, do well on these shows, but the, does it ever dawn on you? And I'm, and I feel like this is almost a rhetorical question because I, I almost presume the answer is, is yes, that, in a sense, there's only so much a band like you guys can get out of this kind of active rock world that yeah. if you guys can't kind of get out to that other mainstream audience, because even like even like Tommy Robert points to me, he's like, you guys are this thing where you don't look like your fans. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. like the image you, you, you present 
in 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 a way is kind of a little younger yeah a little more modern a little more hip-hop a little yeah. more um we very much want to be a crossover band that could be in alternative rock uh but also in active rock we want to yeah. play like i always mention it like we want to play with five finger and breaking band you guys and stuff like that we also want to be able to go do coachella yeah you know like rock on the range carolina rebellions go do coachella so we want to be that band but we essentially could you know with our sound we have the rock edge but we have the hip-hop and the pop vibes like you said but it's so it's like a million bands would kill right to, to get this or what i'm saying just to get a slot on this tour yeah or to just get even the, the you know get in and do shows at stone sour whatever like you have the access to all these other great active rock type scene tours and and get on those stations but will the band get to its potential without that other crossover like it seems like we were, we were like we were talking about getting a slot on the fallout boy tour yeah for example yeah but that world it's a whole other whole world other right industry wise it's a completely different set of labels and a completely different set of managers yeah and um is there a plan or is there you guys figure out how do we get through that thing i think that's the hardest part is trying to figure out how to do it because everybody could have an answer of like what to do or which direction to go but you never know what's yeah. the best direction or really to do I really truthfully believe in our new team that we have behind us. They have a lot of great connections. They've done a lot of great things with bands that were always doubted and not believed in and told that, no, we're not going to touch them. And now they've blown up. They've done Volbeat um, and got Volbeat all the exposure up to the point Volbeat that- Volbeat did Coachella. Volbeat's done Coachella. And, and Volbeat now is with Metallica's management and got them to that point. You know, there were a band, just a quick story, is that nobody on radio wanted to touch them. And now they're all over radio. Yeah, I and they don't sound they don't sound like anything on the radio. They, yeah, exactly. And I Prevail is another band that that they manage, and those dudes are out there crushing it right now. And they're on radio, and they're getting on on serious well, and stuff. Well, Not well, active rock, but one thing I say about both those bands is, in a sense, they kind of don't belong to any scene. They're their yeah. own scene. Yeah, you know. And I think that that might be. I you could know, I could see I Prevail definitely in the warp tour yeah but but what i'm telling you but their success yeah i think exists outside of that oh, even yeah. though they can they exist within that culture to a degree yeah. i think the way they've kind of blown up and carve out their own path they're doing their own is thing. something outside of that oh, yeah. that that realm at least and i don't know that much about them but just from what i've seen like like looking at their record sales like yeah. they've sold they're a lot of records yeah. we did a show with them in in st louis and they just have a lot of fans, man. Yeah. And but what but what I'm saying is that I think I think there's always been this idea that you have to be part of a broader collective, right? Yeah. But I think in the past few years you've seen some bands that no, they're just kind of their own thing. You mm -hmm. know, like five to me, five finger death punch is their it's, own thing. It's who do they cut like who are their peers? Yeah. They don't really have peers. They're yeah. even though they have bands that are similar size, right? Like they can co-headline with Shinedown, but are they like Shinedown? Are they part of the scene? Not really. Yeah. You know, um, but I think for you guys, from what I see, it's now that you've established yourself with this lineup, yeah. It's really gonna be about that next record. We're excited for it. I I'm so excited for the next one because it's really what's gonna showcase what I think we all 
have really wanted to get into, where we've all really wanted to be musically. Um, and we're starting to realize that we don't need to be so catered to this or catered to that because we're so comfortable with writing maybe this genre or we're comfortable with writing this. We're really digging inside of ourselves of who we are and what makes us us. And we're really starting to put that into our music. And it shows just off of this album. And this was an album, uh, The Future is the one I'm talking about, the one that was just released, is our first album as this lineup. Yeah. And it's doing very well as this lineup. Um, with working with a singer who we have really not had much time with or really knowing of, we, we were able to pull out a lot of stuff. I'd never written music with Matt. And I, I didn't, I knew Matt prior, but I didn't have a lot of time to know him to where like we formed a band and it was like oh well this you know we've been around each other for a couple of years and it just has made sense we've always talked about it it was like all right let's let's do this you know and we all jumped into it and worked very well so we're very excited for the third album we have a couple little things um that we're trying to do some mashup stuff and i think to put it out there to like really showcase like what we could do um so we'll see what maybe that does maybe it kind of piques some interest into that world a yeah. little bit and maybe that those are the things like you were saying like what do you do to to kind of cross over into it a little bit i i think we just continue on our path is the biggest thing and that'll show um but then just doing those little mashup things and putting those out there and seeing if anybody would want to do some mashup stuff with us getting a feature for the hip-hop side of things to, we've really wanted to get a feature on the last album it just didn't happen everything fell through so we're really trying to get some for the next record so you might see some rap features on yeah the next i one. mean you know that song uh born for greatness yeah by papa roach it's great to me that's a move yeah you, know, you can and i don't know like how that song came about or yeah where it's you can it's just so sonically different than what they'd already been doing but yeah. i i could hear you guys having half a record that's of in that that yeah well, that that production style and that that kind of um presentation you know because and it would work more for you not that obviously that song i think was a number one it was song. great it was, that was one of their biggest hits but it seems i, I see what you're saying like, but you, you you don't have this giant history yeah. of blank that you yeah. need to oh we have to fulfill this i think in in many ways it, it's you know like i said all the momentum like for me it's hard to even imagine another singer besides danny because yeah. I, I don't know the older material yeah and so I see everything building up, and then, as they say, only takes one song to change your life. Yeah, you know. So it's all yeah. about. Do like do you guys? Is it all in house? Do you guys work with other writers or other producers? We or? worked with Colin Britton and Nick Furlong, who have done Born for Greatness, and they did a lot of other Papa Roach. They just did the whole new Papa Roach record that's about to come oh, okay. out. They've done One OK Rock. They've done, uh, what was it? Five Seconds of Summer. Okay. So they've done a lot of pretty big stuff. Yeah. We did Nowhere to Run with them. And I think we're going to we're going to try hard to work on our next record with them. So our last record, the future, the one with this original or this lineup, uh, I keep wanting to say original, but this lineup, <laughs> it's the original to me. Uh, but with this lineup, we did it all in house. But then we did go to a producer. But when we were in the studio, we kind of got hit with the this is so good. I don't really have anything I can contribute. So yeah. we basically had a, two engineers. Um, he did help with crazy we had to go back into the studio we thought we went to a bunch of different producers trying to get that song the single 11.7 wanted us to get that song so we wrote crazy so he helped with that and he helped with the bridge and a song called enemy but everything else 
really didn't change at all compared to what we had demoed out. So realistically, the four of us wrote the hell out of this last record and produced the hell out of it ourselves. And then we went to the studio and just recorded it. So come the next record, we really want to push ourselves and push our creativity level and, and make a bunch of those born for greatness and stuff like you're saying and and more of like our hip-hop song the future and stuff like that and i think that song for us was a huge push you know we took this album the second album to kind of step away from so much of the heavy rock stuff and showcase that we're able to move into the crossover basically so that way it sets up for album three as well to really showcase that we have a vast sound and um we just want to work with those dudes i think and, and i think we worked great with them and I think they'll bring out a really creative side of us that we really should put on the third album and that we need on the third album to continue doing what we're doing. Right on, man. Well, just getting to see the way each member of the band, how much each member is focused on what they're doing. Like you guys mm -hmm. really take what you do really seriously. And I think, you know, I definitely see a lot of success in in the future but i'm actually out of time right now i gotta yeah. i i gotta run but yo thank you so much for being on the show this has been a lot of fun a bit too. hey man that's what i gotta do man we gotta greet and meet we're gonna meet some meet and then we're gonna greet the greeters yes it's gonna be wonderful hey, i appreciate you having me hell Seriously. yeah brother love Thanks. you man love you
from Ashes to New with their track Wake Up from their most recent album, The Future. I really like that song, and they don't play it live. You know, I'm very upset. I'm going to have to have a, a talking to with those motherfuckers. I'm like, yo, man, just listen to your album. You got a banger of a track. You ain't even playing, man. Anyway, thank you to Matt. Uh, that was a lot of fun. That was the only podcast. I was trying to get um, Jason Hook. I've been trying to get Jason Hook from Five Finger for two tours, but he's a busy man. You know, he's a busy man. You know, he, you know, and then, you know, what are you going to do? So what I need you guys to do, all right? You go on, you know, the Twitters and the Instagram. I don't even know if he's on Twitter, actually. But Instagram, just like, yo, hey, hey, Jason, man, get on the X-Man. Holla at your boy Doc, all right? But in a nice way, though, you know, because I love Jason and he's um, he's the best at guitar. Of He's one of the best dudes at guitar, so, you know. Dude's keeping it real. I don't. Can you hear? I don't know if you guys can hear. There's um some sound checking going on in in the background, which happens. That's right. It's uh, three days grace getting some sick bass tones out there. But um, real quick before I go, just you know, a couple couple thoughts about uh about the holiday season. Um, I don't know about you guys, but you know, I'm not really great with the holidays in terms of like I here's what I like about the, you know the holidays. I like the eating. That's number one. That's number one. Dakota puts on those those uh, holiday pounds very easily. Uh, that's number one. Two is the, the the pure and utter laziness. You know, just getting hunkered up and watching fifty movies, binging your shows like I just you know just melting into the couch or the bed. That's that's definitely high number two. And then then we have this whole whole shopping thing. You know, because I was uh, I was talking to a member of my band. I'm not gonna you know name names. We were talking about the holidays. I was like, "Yeah, you know, it's tough to, to shop for people." He's like, "Yeah, I just, I just don't do that." I'm like, "What? What? what, what huh?" I'm like, "You can. This was a choice. You can just opt out." Apparently, apparently, you can do that. He was like, "Yeah, man, that's just not my thing." <laughs> Nobody told me this that you could just opt out. You know, um, and here, and here's the thing. You know, my natural inclination. As you can see, with the eating and the laziness, is is selfishness. You know, my problem is I start. All right, let's. All right, Doc, start start looking at shopping for other people. You know, I do. I look at shit for myself. <laughs> like I was, I couldn't sleep yesterday, and I'm just looking at sneakers I don't need. You know, cyber. That's why I can't do the Cyber Monday or the the Black Friday because I'm just gonna buy shit for me. I won't buy shit for you, and this is terrible. Like my girlfriend, that's all she thinks about is other people. You know, she's you know. You know, hey, who should we? What should we get for these people? And I'm like, I'm like, who? Oh, 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 yeah, them. Um, yeah, whatever you like. You know, um, I, I just don't have this skill. You know, and it's um, it's sad. You know, but I just didn't know you can opt out. Yeah, like like my girlfriend's like, so so what should we get for for such and such? And I just go, um, yeah, you know, it's just not my, you know, um, it's not my thing anymore. So I'm gonna opt out. You know, you're just gonna get that check. You know, the opt out check. You know, this is very, it's very interesting. I'm just, I'm, I'm learning a lot. Um, but eventually I may buy some things for other people. Um, but keep in mind, this is, you know, not because I want to. I, re- I really don't, you know. I love you guys. You know, my family, friends, I do. But, you know, selfish coil. You know, just get, guy just wants more sneakers. I think that's all I really want. I don't think there's anything else, really. I like gadgets, t- technology, you know. So I need some recording programs. I, you know, I had some homies say, "Hey, man, you should check out this 
little sweet, you know, they have a deal here and I just, I just didn't get it. So anyway, I think this is the part where um, I'm rambling and uh, that's all right. But, you know, I just want to wish you guys happy holidays, you know, do the other stuff, do the eating, do the, uh, the laziness, you know, so I don't feel alone, you know, because it's definitely one of the things I enjoy about it. So anyway, about to start this tour in Canada. It's going to be great. Looking forward to uh, rocking out, rocking out for the, for the rest of the year into the free world. And anyway, we love you guys. Mama out. Hello everybody, I'm Bruce. And I'm Nolan, and this is the Corner of Gray Street Podcast. As longtime Dave Matthews Band fans, we set out to create a podcast to dive deep into the past, present, and future of DMB. Not only do we recap and review shows within an ongoing tour, but we revisit past shows from throughout the band's history, conduct interviews with a wide variety of guests with ties to DMB, and create unique and exclusive content like our Concerts on the Corner series. Whether you're a fan of the band or just a fan of great music, we think you'll find something you'll enjoy. We can't wait to see you on The The Corner Corner of Gray Street. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.